Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Wonder Women in Business. We are so excited today to have Karen Kupitz as our guest on the show. As you know, Karen has a great story, and every time I have a guest on the show, I like to shine a light on that guest and let them tell their story, and that way they give permission to others to do the same. So super excited. I have met Karen. I know Karen. I don't always know my guests but she is terrific. So I feel really honored that she took time out of her busy schedule to be here. Karen, welcome. Thank you, thank you. I feel honored to be a part of your wonderful webcast and, and have had the chance to get to know one another. I think what you're doing is fabulous and I'm delighted to be able to support that. Thank you, thank you. Well, let's learn a little more about you, the woman. Um, oftentimes I get people on here and they want to sell something and I'm like, no, 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 we're all about letting um, people learn you, like who you are. So I love to ask deep and meaningful questions where we can unveil and reveal um, Karen, not just her title or her job duties or responsibilities, but Karen, the woman. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Karen, the woman. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me start out by uh, kind of a little background and history. Um, I'm originally from the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, Woohoo, woo right? Yes. Um, and went to Berkeley as an undergrad, loved it. Uh, and then uh, also during that time, spent a year studying abroad in Israel. Wow. Uh, fun fact it was uh, during a the Gulf War year, and we can we can talk about that at a later time. Um, met my my future husband, and um, this year is our 25th wedding anniversary. So wow! I'm going very personal before we talk about the professional. No, I um, love that. That's what this is about. We want to get to know you personally. That's yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Um, went to law school in Los Angeles. Went to Loyola, and. It, after I graduated from law school, ha, um, my husband and I were moving to New York. That was where he was um, going to go to grad school. So I had to find myself a job. And that was really sort of the entree to doing what I do now. I was my own recruiter. And what I do today is I head up the recruiting function for a law firm. Um, I head it up for Colston and Storm. It's a, a law firm of about 200 attorneys. Um, it was founded in 1900, so we've been around for a long time. And um, I'm based in their New York office, though I actually live in California. So um, I live on the West Coast, work on the East Coast, spend a lot of time um, uh, on airplanes. And today, actually, you find me in uh, our Washington, D.C. office. Wow. Let me ask you a quick question before you go on. So yeah. Just so you know, folks, she just now said she lives on the West Coast and works on the East Coast. This is becoming more and more common, and just people are doing this more and more often. They're working remotely from home as well as, so how do you manage that? That seems difficult. Um, it takes a team. I, I think in order to do that, I, I think I need to back up a little bit. Um, so I've been working at Goldston for a year and a half, almost two years. And in the process of, of my job search then, I realized that doing what I do at the level that I wanted to do it, um, that the positions were on the East Coast. And 
we discussed the possibility of picking up and moving. Um, I have three kids and one of them's in college, one is in high school, one is finishing up junior high. And we decided now was probably not the time to relocate. Um, and so found this amazing, amazing opportunity that was really too good to pass up for a whole bunch of reasons. And the way that we make it work is it takes a village. You know, not only uh, do I have wonderful support at home, um, and you know, through my husband, but also we have um, paid help. And, um, and my kids think of us are a little bit older. Um, they're really independent. They can walk to school, they can walk to the movies um, and walk to most of their activities. So I'm really, really fortunate that everything sort of played out where um, kind of the structure at home supported that. So my typical schedule is that um, I fly out to the East Coast on Sunday afternoon um, and fly back on Thursday night. Um, so I'm home Fridays, Saturdays, and, and I would say half of Sundays. Um, wow. Yeah. And, but I, it's also flexible that I am home for when I really need to be home, I can make my schedule work. Um, I don't feel like I'm missing anything. And I think the other piece is being in constant communication with my family um, and having, you know, what's working, what's not working, what, what's important that I be here for. And it was actually my kids that said, mom, continue doing what you're doing. This is working. Aww, I love I it. I know, I know. And the time that I'm with them, they so appreciate Oh yeah. me and when I'm around and, you know, I've made every cheer competition for my daughter and, you know, support my son with his speech and debate. And um, it's, it's really been incredible that it's worked. It's, it's definitely a new reality for people and you seem to make it work beautifully for your family. And I love that your kids show you such support. It would they be really terribly do. difficult if they were like, don't go, or, you know, we don't like this. That would be so difficult. So it yeah. sounds like you work for a really great progressive firm that allows for this kind of schedule as well. So a little shout out to the firm for giving you that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's pretty awesome. And I'll tell you, I didn't realize all that. So I didn't know that you there lived you out where I am. That's pretty great. <laughs> I thought I knew you. Um, I also didn't know you went to Berkeley, which is where my son is a freshman this year. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Um, he is stressed. It's hard. <laughs> it's not yeah. easy, but it's worth it. Um, Tell me a little bit about what you like do day to day. Like, how do you spend most of your time? So, um, my role at the firm is is I head up recruiting, but really what I'm doing is focusing on our lateral partner recruiting. So it's a lot like executive recruiting for for folks that um, and I, yeah, I can say this as part of when I did my job search. One of the things I also noticed was that my skills are not easily transferable to other industries. Sort of the search profession within legal is, is somewhat unique. Um, it's not high volume um, and it's pretty complex. Each um, hire that we make involves a lot of kind of diligence and um, oversight and, and persuasion and, and lots of um, building consensus. One of the things that makes Goulston different than other firms is that we're 
very much a trust-based and consensus-based culture. Um, so it means that in order to make any kind of decision, such as hiring a partner, that there needs to be agreement that's really built from the bottom up. So um, a typical partner candidate will come in and meet at least 25. Wow. Partners. Yeah. So, <laughs> a, little, a little time consuming, I'd say, the process. It's time consuming. I mean, it's, we're actually very efficient about it, um, it's, but it's also clunky. It just, it's, it's clunky. Um, and people really feel, though, at the end of our process, they know who we are. They are. Um, so after we hire somebody, I'm also in charge of their integration, which is a two year process. Wow. And we see the interview process as the first step of that, that it's about who are you going to build the synergies with? Who are you going to make natural interpersonal connections with? And you're not going to know that unless you're exposed to a whole bunch of people. And this is a great opportunity to be able to do that. Um, if I were a candidate, I would be grateful for that. Um, as many as the, you know, 25 sounds like a lot, but it would help me to make a better, more meaningful decision because, you know, you can't in that, in that role, you can't, move about like you can in corporate roles like you can here in silicon valley people stay for a year and they move somewhere else for two and then they hop over someplace else for three it's not like that when you're a lawyer so um i would think that's a real beneficial process for them to not only you to get to know them but them to really get to know you well and this is a kind of frightening uh, industry statistic which is that more than half of lateral partners leave within a fairly short period of time they're considered unsuccessful Wow. And yeah, the fail rate is really, really, really high. And um, our retention rate is double the industry average. Our retention rate is more than 90%. Oh, that's great. Do you attribute some of that to the process you just described? I do. I do. And that we are not um, making a commitment to someone to see if it will work. We make a commitment to someone for their career. That's and incredible. And that's actually true at all levels. And it's true also of the business operations like myself of people the firm hires. You know that, for example, when they hired me, they didn't see it as a, well, let's see if this works. It's, we're gonna work through this together. It's a marriage. Um, yeah. It's a marriage, right. And it's a partnership. And, and um, it's, some people describe Golson as being the last true partnership left um, because it's, it's the kind of place where, um, each partner has a voice and even people who are not partners have a voice and i'd love to actually digress for a moment and tell you a story um, absolutely absolutely really sums up um sort of my my gratitude for for what i'm doing and where i'm at so i was at goldston maybe three three weeks six weeks very very new and i went to a meeting of full directorship there was a big announcement being made and one of the managing partners of the firm was addressing the partnership in a way using language that i didn't think was going to resonate outside of the boston office and i was you know taking some notes and and i was i was just really uncomfortable with some of the language used um and because it didn't feel like a whole, it didn't feel like it was an integrated whole it felt just kind of choppy and so I went to my boss, um, who's the chief legal talent officer, and I said, you know, this is what happened. I just, this is how it landed. This is, I'm not comfortable 
with what I heard. I'm just venting. It was what I said to her. And she said to me, Karen, you've been given a seat at the table. You're obligated to use it. Go to the managing partner and tell him this feedback. Wow. Wow. So that's rare. That's very rare and powerful and so empowering. Right. How wonderful. Wow. And so I, like any new employee, said, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to keep this job. Right. I um, like it so far. I don't think so. <laughs> I, I just got here. I'm not, I'm not interested in leaving that quickly. And, but I kind of took it as not a dare, but a challenge. And I, I you know, summoned the courage and I called up the managing partner and I said, this is what happened. This is how it landed. Um, and you know, I was very sheepish, I must say, in giving the, the, um, the feedback. And his response to me was, thank you. Keep the feedback coming. Wow, what a great, great managing partner. Now, I have to tell you, I don't often hear that um, mm-hmm. about managing partners, to keep the feedback coming. That's amazing. Right? That's yeah. amazing. What a great culture. I know. I'm so, I, 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 I kind of just can't stop beaming with pride about, about Goulston and, um, um, and, and have so much gratitude and am and, and thankful. You know, um, it's funny because... Um, I interview obviously a lot of people in legal. I spent my life in legal and then financial services before that. But I rarely hear someone genuinely happy um, and sounding still like they're new and on their honeymoon when you've been there over a year. So this is really yeah. great. This this really speaks well of your firm. So yay. And I don't know your partner. But kudos to that person for being open to feedback from me. I think um, feedback is a sign of respect and you know, when you don't get it and people just go speak ill or positively either way about you behind your back, it doesn't do any good. Yeah. So feedback is really great. That's awesome. What a great story. And I think the language behind it is that, uh, and you you don't really hear this, but we are a trust-based organization which means that professionals get to be treated like professionals and get to be trusted that they're going to make decisions that are smart and wise. And, you know, obviously if they color outside the lines, there will be a conversation. Um, But it's, you know, to start, not that you have to prove your, your, yourself, your worth, your, you know, that it starts on day one and it, it both trickles down and trickles up. And um, it is so just uh, freeing. Yes. Um, uh, emotional energy, thinking about how everything is going to be perceived, or what do I do, or how do I do it, and who do I need to get approvals from, and as opposed to steering things in the way that you say, you know what, I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to do what makes sense. I'm going to do what is good on behalf of the firm and myself and use my best judgment. And it really puts so much then ownership on each person's shoulders to take responsibility for their decisions, their actions, and the way that, that they're doing their jobs each day. It sounds to me like a great place to be. And I want to say that, um, 
your comments about the business executives. I love that because I have been a business executive in a law firm setting for so many years and rarely do you get that kind of um, description of the culture at many, many firms. Yeah. I mean, I've worked with 123 firms overall and um, I've not too often heard people say that, you know, so there, there's that whole non-attorney thing going on. It seems like that kind of thinking is not prevalent at your firm. Um, yeah. I want to say that they are very, very fortunate to have you as well. It seems like um, a really great fit and a symbiotic relationship that works, you know, so that's, that's amazing. Uh, good to hear. Let yeah. me ask you, um, I know you've had your, you know, a, a really great career and, and, and you're nowhere near done for sure. For um, sure. Yeah, you got a long way to go and they're very fortunate to have you. What um, has been perhaps your proudest professional accomplishment to date? Or maybe it hasn't happened yet. I don't know. I actually like to think that it hasn't happened yet. I mean, I think what I would like to see over time is to be able to look at a firm where I have helped really build the core group of people who are then serving as leaders. And I think there is, there is nothing that could make me feel more proud. Um, each hire feels like a major accomplishment. Um, sure. Especially with that time that it takes and the investment that you put into it. Exactly. And you know, given how positively, obviously, I think about the firm, I feel like I have the capacity through this process to really change someone's life for the better. And so every time we bring in a new hire and they, um, they, they sort of, you know, embrace what we're trying to do and who we are and watching them smile more um, just makes me so happy. And and so to, I, I can't wait to be able to look back in 10 years, 15 years, and have a whole room full of people that I was a part of bringing them onto the platform. That is so beautiful. So folks, pay attention when she says things like changing people's lives. That's what I'm talking about when I'm out there talking about, you can't be someone nine to five and then turn on someone else the rest of the day. We need to be able to bring our whole real, authentic, true selves to every waking moment, um, owning our stories. And people who have to, you know, put on a persona or a mask or fake it or go through the day just to make their paycheck by being someone they're not and, and being miserable in their jobs, that's just not the way to live a life. So when I hear her say things like she truly changes lives, this process, though it seems very long, um, think of it as dating before you marry because you really want to get to know this firm or this person that you're working with or these people um, to make that long, long-term commitment. Um, this is not, you know, the let's see if it works out like she said earlier. I just think this idea of caring enough about each and every person there, whether they're an attorney or whether they're not an attorney and they're a business executive, makes for a much more um, productive internally, but also clients notice. I think that clients that get to work with firms where people are happy and they are feeling fulfilled, 
makes them want to work with them forever. I mean, that builds, you know, it's one thing to do great legal work and you have client satisfaction as a result, but it's a whole different ball game when your uh, culture and the business of law, which I think she's describing as a business of law, not just a practice, but a business. Right, right. It, it ensures client loyalty and client loyalty is something um, you don't find that often. So let me tell you, that's pretty great. And it, and it sounds to me um, from what you've described your role as you play a big part of what makes clients loyal to this firm. So amazing. I mean, I don't think I've ever had a happier law firm person on my show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I love what you said about, you know, you have to be able to show up to work as your yeah. true, authentic self. And, and I think, you know, I, I think a lot of people don't even know what that is. That's um, a sad, but true statement. And I will say as a practicing lawyer, I had imposter syndrome, right? I was like, yeah. we're going to find out that I have no idea what I'm doing. And I was a young lawyer. I had no idea what I was doing. So um, it was it was very unsettling, and I was very very unhappy and lonely. Um, now took me that's a lot of, what I hear from most lawyers. Yeah, yeah that's the, it that's took me a lot of years to come up with that language. I couldn't even describe that the feeling was really one of being lonely. And you know, how can you be lonely when you show up to work every day? And you you know, and you're with a whole group of people, and you're and I find a lot of them are depressed. The ones yeah. that I um, have, so I know uh, thousands of lawyers. Okay. I know thousands of lawyers intimately because I'm the type of person people open up to and share their secrets with. And I mean, I know more stuff. My head could explode any minute. I know so much stuff about lawyers, but one of the common threads um, among many of them is depression and yeah. feeling yeah. like they have no control over their lives. And feeling like they have to paint a happy face on when they get home after work and try to be the highest and best parent they can be or spouse that they can be. And this culture that you see outside your firm, not in your firm, but in other firms, yeah. is so draconian. I mean, it's just really tough. Um, well, on a better note, we're so yeah. glad that you work at such an amazing firm. May I may quit my job and ditch my business. <laughs> Come apply. No, it sounds go. amazing. And you look really happy. So folks, I don't do video on my podcasts, but we happen to have the video rolling right now. And she really does. When she's talking about the firm, she's smiling and <laughs> she, you know, so, you know, it, it's a sign when you're happy with what you do your life is different. Your life is better. Your, your yeah. life is probably longer too. So, well, who has been your mentor or who maybe inspired you along the way? Maybe there are many, I don't know. I think I've taken a little bit of a lot of different people. And I'll, I'll say um, many years ago when I, when I made this, I was a headhunter for a while. I went from being a lawyer to being a headhunter on the agency side than to going on the law firm side. And as soon as I went onto the law firm side, I realized there was nobody for me that I really did look up to. And that was really kind of sad to me because I knew that I wanted to mark my own path. I knew I wanted to do things in a different way. And so I started collecting people and I formed this group of women who um, we were all doing, we were all in jobs that were 
we weren't replacing somebody. We had created new jobs for ourselves or reinvented the job that we were in. We were all in sort of this legal hiring world um, in, in some different senses. And, um, and we were all sort of committed to being the best that we could be. And we would meet for lunch and talk and strategize. And, and so, you know, I think that was one example early on of realizing if I'm not going to have a mentor and someone who's going to, you know, that I can look up to, I needed sort of the wind from behind me. And, um, and so that was, you know, I look for people who push me to be better. Nice. And that was one example. So that's a great example. So maybe they didn't mentor or sponsor you, but they certainly inspired you to become your highest and best self and carve your own path. That's a great story that I, I love to meet these women. So um, I try to surround myself with people who are um, hardworking and positive and like-minded in that, um, you know, we don't have to come from the same school or the same workplace or, you know, none of that, but they have this sense of gratitude in everything they do and a, a resilience and a, um, you know, go get it attitude. I love women and men both who, um, you know, can, can live their lives that way. Let's just say you wake up and say, let's take on whatever, you know, is coming my way and do it with grace and gratitude. Um, it sounds like they inspired you a lot. Um, I love to surround myself with people like that. On that, like, you know, we, we always think of mentors and people to look up to and, you know, it's, it's okay that sometimes they don't exist, right? And sometimes right. instead of, a, a, you know, the question is an inspirational mentor, maybe you need the inspiration more than you need the mentor. That is and, so powerful. And, and I think that's more what I have looked for um, is who are the people who are going to inspire me? I think that sentence that she just said, folks, is very powerful. She said, maybe you need the inspiration more than you need the mentor. And what I see that as, or what I, you know, the meaning that I make of that message is that sometimes a mentor will teach you how he or she has done it and how you should do it too. But an inspiration allows for you to be your own highest and best self and do it your way um, and embraces that and encourages authenticity and your way. It may not at all be like the way it's been done or his or her way. Um, maybe they're not teaching you the ropes. Maybe they're just saying, you find what makes you happy and do it. Be passionate about what you do. Get paid to do what you're passionate about. Um, so that, that to me is really powerful. Um, those people are, yeah, those people are rare. Um, so if you have a room full of those women, good for you. Um, I'd love to knock on that door someday. Um, You're more than welcome. Well, personally, you know that I live my life, uh, what I do for a living. I, I travel, I do workshops and trainings on uh, how gender-based communication can either contribute to bias or combat bias. Um, and in those sessions, I generally, I have men and women, and I generally find that sometimes women don't know how to support other women, or they feel, okay, there are only two spots at the top. I need to fight all these other women to get one of those spots. When my message is we all need to come together, collaborate and fight to create more spots. So don't change who you are as a woman, but change the operating system that we're up against, if you will. How do you in your day to day, or maybe just some small hint or tip, how do you think that women can support other women in business? I think it goes back to what we were talking about, which is, you know, be the inspiration, be, support one another, not only by giving opportunities, but 
helping people to be their best selves. And um, I, I see it all the time in, in what I do. Um, women communicate differently than men. And, and I think sometimes women uh, kind of undercut themselves in the way that they communicate yes. as, as compared to men, right? Women tend to uh, be very conservative, for example, in their business projections um, about what they're going to deliver, whereas men tend to be much more bullish. Yeah. Uh, and there, there is a consequence to that, right? There's a consequence in terms of how they're then viewed in, in the compensation then that they're provided. And so I have really tried in my role and my day-to-day to kind of hit the pause button and take a hard look at, at to see whether there is some kind of internal bias sometimes you know kind of do a reality check and sometimes i'll go back to the candidate or to the the recruiter that's representing them and say hey you know let's 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 rethink this let's go back and and maybe there's some more counseling that needs to happen uh, to help this person develop a better business plan that's more thorough and thought out um, so that they can compete in the way that I know this person wants to. So one of the challenges for, for me is, you know, in, in playing, right, it's the power of the first impression. If I pass along sort of um, what's been provided to me, sort of, you know, the first draft, it is very hard then to change that perception. So yeah. I would rather sort of give the candidate the opportunity to just rethink how they're projecting themselves. Um, I'll, and, I'll say yeah. in, in, that's, that's very powerful. And folks recognize in, in my interpretation of what she's saying that um, often women self-select. So, so women don't bring their whole best selves. We pull back. We don't apply to things that we know we can do, even though we've never done them before. Um, yes, society judges us based on past performance and judges men on potential, but we have the, the power to change that by applying for those jobs that we know, okay, well, I only fit the bill for six out of the 10 requirements, but I can do those other four. I can do this. I'm going to apply. So being aggressive, I'll, t I'll say women do self-select by not applying for those. And then when they do in this situation, um, let's say apply for a job, but they don't apply themselves in the interview or they don't apply their highest and best selves to the um, recruiters or what have you, they self-select. However, those of us who are more aggressive and who do not, you know, suffer that um, self-selection, we are often then deemed as the B word. So, you know, she's too aggressive or she, but I often tell people if this were a male behaving in this aggressive way, would you think, wow, he has great leadership skills or he's competent and confident in his abilities. Um, whereas a woman on the other hand, you might say, wow, she's too aggressive. I, I don't think that's, you know, I think that's something women suffer sometimes at our own hands and sometimes at the hands of others. Yeah, and I think actually, I, I, I agree with you in general terms on that. I'm finding that the tide is turning. I don't think that yeah. the B word is, is sort of the perception anymore. Um, you know, pushy is another word, though, you know, I think is a, is a, is a more mild way of saying it. Yeah. Um, and 
And I'm seeing that less and less. I think that it is about being assertive and being confident. I am hearing those words used more. And I, I love that, that at least, you know, in some circles, the tide is turning. And I think um, that's the way it's landing. So that really now it's a matter of working with women to have that, not only to project the confidence, but to actually have yeah. that confidence. <laughs> it's not and, just language. You know, yeah. It's not just language and, and the self-doubt and the self-questioning that, that women so often do, you know, to sort of, to temper that. And it's the, you know, it's the go for it. And, you know, I, one of the things I, I draw on in, in my background is I, I grew up as a skier and um, my dad was on ski patrol and we went a lot and you know we would stand we would i would stand there on the top of the mountain with my skis looking down at some crazy mogulie hill and say i can't do this and then i would kind of gather myself and i would say but i know i can i know i can i, I just need to take the first turn and lo and behold um i, I would do it and and i would do it well it was one of the, you know not a very physically like coordinated person but skiing is something i could always do and that sort of mustering that courage in the moment i think has served me so well throughout my entire life of you know staring down that hill the, the that proverbial hill and and you know just putting all those self-doubts aside and saying just just jump in and start because you'll, you'll get to the other side that's amazing. What a powerful story, a powerful analogy. I mean, you're at the top of this mountain. I mean, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. And the fact is you have to do it. I mean, how are you going to get down there? You have to do it. So better to right. do it with confidence and then, you know, do it with self-doubt. So you're right. We have to learn more than just the words uh, that make us seem and sound confident and competent. We actually have to embrace confidence and competence. Mm -hmm. so I and what's the worst that. that happen, right? What's the, you fall down, right? You fall <laughs> down and it's going to happen. Well, so you, you clearly, pick yourself up, you yeah. put your keys back on and you continue. <laughs> it's not the end of the world. Well, I don't know. You clearly haven't seen me ski, but <laughs> <laughs> it looks way dirtier than that. Like skis fly off and people come to me and say, is this your pole? You know? So yeah, but I'm all about getting back up and doing it again. So that's another thing to be said about being confident uh, in what you do or want to do. So we're coming to a close, but a, a very powerful question I like to ask people just so that the audience doesn't uh, think that you and I pretend life's a bed of roses. Um, it's not always easy. We have challenges and setbacks. What was a challenge or setback that you overcame and how? Um, you actually did not prepare me for that question. So I have to really think about that one, Susan. Oh, um, I'm so sorry. I'll tell you the thing that came to mind when I asked that, I was like, she, you know, she already addressed being a lawyer and how it was lonely. So um, maybe I was redundant in even asking the question. Um, no, 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 no. I didn't mean to put you on the spot in that. Oh, look, I think life is filled with challenges and I think there are big ones and there are small ones. And I think, you know, there are personal ones and there are professional ones and there, they are what make us who we are and, and how we face them is, I think that's, 
the telltale sign of who we are as human beings and and being able to to be real right yeah. to be real about and own up to all of those challenges and kind of wear them as a badge of courage i love um, that and wow. you know, yeah i mean look what i do is really really challenging i fall down a lot and um and I'm totally okay with that because I know that tomorrow's another day and tomorrow will present new challenges and, and I'm ready for them. That's beautiful. That's so, what a great, powerful way to end this conversation. Um, so I, I it's been so much fun. Thank you, Susan. I feel like it's been an hour of, uh, 40 minutes of therapy. So thank you for the, <laughs> well, my rate just went up then. No. <laughs> Well, you're awesome. And look, I'm going to put your contact info uh, in the blog that I write. I write a blog about you. So folks, Karen will send me her headshots, some casual shots, maybe some candid photos so we can kind of get to know her uh, when she's not nine to five at work. Um, she will send me her bio and then she will send me her contact information. So if you want to connect with her on LinkedIn or whatever she decides she, she wants to share. I'll put that in the blog. So look for that within 48 hours. We'll get all that together within 48 hours. And Karen, you have a great day. I know with whomever you're going to meet with next is one fortunate person. I'll say that much. Oh, thank you so much, Susan. And this has been a delight. And uh, I wish you and everyone listening much success, much courage, and uh, the ability to face your challenges. Thank you. What a beautiful way to end the podcast. So thank folks, you, have you. a great day and thank you for listening in. Bye-bye.